everybody. Welcome to the AN and After Show. It's me, Lindsay Loveridge, and James Beckett is here, my oh. professional opinion haver at Kick That's the Beckett um, on Twitter. Uh, Jackie's not with us because she's on an airplane, but I think once she gets off that airplane, we're going to keep her in one spot for mm -hmm. a long enough period of time that she will be regularly here again. Um, yes. So this, so today it'll be me and James talking about this big flashback backstory episode in Trigun Stampede. We also get quite a lot of that in Buddy Daddies this week. So we're going to talk about that. And we've got some lighthearted news. Uh, one is about a racehorse and the other one is about Michael B. Jordan, who's been in the news quite a lot lately for his latest film because he's a giant nerd. And we respect yeah. that here. Yeah, we so, do. Yeah. So we're going to talk about all that. Um, before we get to it, a reminder to please subscribe to this channel wherever you are watching it. We are on YouTube and we are on Facebook and we are on, um, I was going to say Instagram. We are on Instagram, but the show is not on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and also Jackie's Discord because um, she gave me access to it. So I am abusing that right now. <laughs> we are streaming on Jackie's Discord. I'm sure she would be fine with it. It's fine. Hi, Jackie's Discord. Hi, Jackie's Discord. <laughs> um, she's here in spirit from the tarmac at Honolulu Airport. I think that's where she's flying. We'll work in so. at least one Gungrave reference. In we will. Honor. We promise. For her, yes. Um, who are the guys in that show again? Should we just pretend we don't um, know anything about it? Hat, hat guy? I think there's a hat guy. I think she said there's a dude named Brandon. Is Brandon, a, all right, let's a go Brandon for it. in that show. Yeah, there, there is now to Brandon Gungrave, the main <laughs> character of Gungrave. That's for you, Jackie. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get right down to it. Let's talk about this Michael B. Jordan interview. He did an interview uh, over at Polygon about all of the anime references in his new movie, Creed 3. Now there's been, he's there's kind of been a promotional slant about that. Like IGN also had a video interview with him and some other folks where he talked about the fight scenes in that film directly being inspired by Naruto Shippuden and um, Dragon Ball, I think. Yeah. James, tell us a little more about this interview. Yeah, so it's great. Um, it's And what I like about it is, you know, because the the quotes making the rounds recently have been kind of the same talking points where he just sort of, you know, casually mentions like, hey, this is like what the the eighth Rocky movie, uh, mm -hmm. eighth Rocky slash Creed movie. Um, there's only so many ways that people have filmed boxing scenes. And I wanted to um, try to bring something new to the table because this is his directorial debut, Michael B. Jordan. Mm -hmm. And um, he is very famously a huge weeb. Yeah. Um, uh, and in this interview, he specifically says that he watches anime every day. Um, and I totally believe it based off of some of his like in-depth cuts here. And uh, finally, because I've been looking for this, to be honest, because uh, the quotes that have been going around have most been him saying like, there's some shots where like, you know, uh, they, they're like directly from like specific shows or specific influences. And finally, someone sat him down, someone with some knowledge. Um, I want to say it is uh, uh, Tuesday and Egan. <laughs> from polygon and they finally specifically said all right like break it down we we want to know because we're operating on the same level like let's dig into these anime references and um you can tell like just through the text that michael b jordan is stoked to be able to like let loose on his nerd mm -hmm. um like because i'm sure with 90 percent of the press he's like yeah anime references like i can't like I can't spend 20 minutes going on about it, but you know, but um, here we have like a situation where he can just straight up 
go into detail. So like the very first question, uh, Polygon asks like, because um, there's a specific shot that's been going around of Kree getting punched in the gut. And it does that very classic, like, um, ooh. Ooh, right? That like yeah. delay and then, you know, the, the exaggerated, like, you know, spit. Curling the in, yeah. 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 Um, and they say, so that's like a DBZ reference, right? And immediately he's like, no, 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 that's Naruto and Sasuke <laughs> uh, from episode 450 of, of Shippuden. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on to say that, uh, you know, like it's it's been in a lot of anime, right? It's been in Dragon Ball Z, Goku, Vegeta. But, um, and uh, and I think someone just mentioned it in the chat that um, the whole dynamic between Creed and uh, Jonathan Major's character, Damien, in this movie is very like specifically influenced by the brotherly rivalry between like characters such as naruto and sasuke yeah um and, i think jonathan uh, majors mentions it in this video you sent me james um, yeah you know uh, i don't think major specifies the anime i don't know if he could name naruto like it doesn't seem like but uh like every, an anime like, cartoon yeah he's yeah. like yeah he sat me down and showed me like three whole episodes of this cartoon <laughs> yeah yeah of uh the friendships in those stories, you know, and the rivalry. This is Jonathan Majors uh, talking uh, for everyone who's just listening. One of his favorite uh, anime cartoons, and it was these two best friends, and they get to a point where, and we kind of, we, we really, uh, we really parallel this in in some ways in our picture. They get to a point in the fight, in their battles, where everything else seems to fall away, and there's this idea that there's the fight that's going on externally, and there's a fight that's going on internally, and there's perhaps another fight happening on top of it, that is more uh, meta, more spiritual, more mystical that's happening. And I just really like um, that part specifically uh, because Jonathan Majors is so classy and he's just so talking, classy. he's so classy and he's just talking about it like from this very like refined artistic point of view. Also his voice is very soothing and, and nice to listen to. And you have to stop and remember that he's talking about Naruto. <laughs> Sasuke, yes. Yeah. So, Although, yeah. if you want to, uh, this is not related to anime, but there's a clip going around where I think it was Hector Navarro did an interview with uh, Majors. Yeah. And um, uh, Majors has mentioned in the past that he's a big fan of the movie Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. The um, original or the remake? This is important. The I believe the remake based, based on the on scene. Based on his age. Oh, okay. Uh, based yeah. on his age. And I, I guess I've not, I don't know if I've seen the original, but um specifically in the remake the end where the golden retriever comes over the uh, hill. comes over the hill and he's limping right mm -hmm. and um hector navarro mentions to him like this fan theory because every movie has to have a freaking fan theory these really? days that um that the golden retriever died and that him making it home in that final scene was actually him going to heaven and being reunited with his family in heaven which is like why would you ever do that to that movie no he's he lives that's like yeah, this, no, is, this is for the children, guys. Yeah, I watched. Okay, I had that that movie recorded on tape off the Disney Channel as a kid, yeah. and I like I watched the heck. Sassy is a great cat. Just a yes, great, great cat. Um, but um, <laughs> you can you can see Jonathan Major's face like fall, where, where when he like realizes what's being described, and yeah. it. I'm pretty sure he genuinely starts to tear up. Like he, he like he starts to cry. <laughs> like Thinking unlocks about... the memory, a childhood. Yeah, yeah. Deep He's memory. like, yeah, well, is, yeah. That's so beautiful. Like the idea that he could have that. And it's, um, he seems like a great guy. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. He does. Um, it's so funny though, because I mean, for those of us I think who grew up watching that movie, you're like, so you know, the end. I'm like, when uh, the golden retriever comes up over the hill, because everyone like, yeah. I, th I think that's like a 
childhood core memory. If you're a child watching that, you're like, if that dog doesn't come over that hill in the next five seconds, I am throwing a rock through this TV and we are salting the earth. And, and yeah. I feel yeah. like that was part of a genre of children's films that was popular at the time where it was just voiceover of live action footage because we had that one. And then um, there Maybe was Napoleon. Also... Na Napoleon? Yeah, uh, it was like a little golden retriever puppy. He's like in a balloon, like a a, a hot air balloon. I was um, going to bring up Milo and Otis. That which, too. Which yeah. was also like that. And um, Look Who's Talking. Look Who's Talking was the other one I was going to bring up, which I think going back now, that one's not as child oriented. There might be like some nope. humor in there, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. So everything that was not appropriate... <laughs> Went just like the, went if I remember, head. if I because I, I I watched all those movies quite a bit when I was a yeah. kid, and if I remember right, the first one and probably the sequel definitely have a lot of the the more adult humor because like you have John Travolta, you got Bruce Willis, yeah. Um, but the wait, no, Bruce Willis might be there's the third one where where it's the dogs. Yes, right? yep, yep, yep. And that one I remember liking the most, so I'm assuming that was the one that was more like. Yeah, I think the dog for... poops in the back seat. That's one of yeah, the jokes I probably. remember from that movie specifically. Like, I left you a present, and it's yeah. yeah, probably pees on someone's shoes, and then there's like that slow like pan up where like the guy realizes that his shoes just got peed on, and then it goes back to the dog, and the dog like raises his eyebrow or something. Yeah, I saw Milo and Otis a ton of time because um, if ever it was raining too hard that they couldn't let us out for recess as a kid, like we would go to the gymnasium or. Um, yeah, we'll just say the gymnasium. They'd have you know the TV on the cart, and it was Milo and Otis, oh, and that's that was, how I that also was you go to. Mm -hmm. And that was also that's also how I saw the original Homeward Bound, and I remember just not liking it nearly as much. It might be because uh, the dog that is Chance in the original is played by a bull terrier, I think, and I'd never seen one of those before as a kid, and they're weird looking. They have I mean, yeah, they got like the really kind of squinty like flat smooth sloped muzzle yeah. all the way down i mean they were bred specifically so they'd be able to for that for hunting purposes but as a kid i was like it's a weird looking dog what, yeah. what's up with that dog um anyway anime anime yeah if you dub over cats isn't that is it I mean, that's still anime, right? It's some so, kind of animation. It's some, kind, sure. some kind of animation. Okay. Uh, the next story I had, uh, this one's just for funsies. Um, you guys probably know that like horse racing and betting on horse races is kind of a popular gambling activity in Japan. I'm using the word popular really loosely here. I don't really know how many people engage in it. I just know that the uh, JRA. I mean, there's a whole anime. The <laughs> yeah, there's that whole anime just about horse racing. Um, and the Sexy JRA. Yeah, and the JRA has uh, sponsored like shorts, including the one from uh, Mr. Osamatsu and oh, yeah. a couple other ones. Those were centered on horse racing. Well, there's a horse in Japan. It's won its last two races. And in case you didn't know, its name is Hellshake. There's oh, a horse yes. named Hellshake in Japan. Um, it was actually named first, and then where it was brought up for racing they put out a writer jockey wanted ad specifically for someone whose name was yano so the person who rides the horse his last name is yano which is apparently a pretty popular last name in japan so it's yano and he'll shake yano that's it's a real horse um and it 
won its last race at Kawasaki race course on Monday. And it also won its previous race on February 3rd. Damn straight. There's no real point to the story. I just want everyone to know that there is a horse named Hellshake that is winning its races in Japan with its jockey, Yano. So, I mean, look, we can debate best anime of 2020, whatever year that was, 2022, yeah. uh, um, uh, all day and night. But uh, how many of those anime actually had uh, enough influence to create a real world jockey horse combo that won real world money? Um <laughs> potentially for the real world yakuza i don't know <laughs> allegedly um i've never heard that the yakuza are involved in horse racing no, no well i i only say that because i want to say uh, i can't remember where i read this but i i read that there's like some like um someone was they're maybe joking but there was like this it was either a meme or just an ongoing joke with that uh uma musume show uh-huh. where um uh <laughs> The, the yakuza were like somehow involved in like the production or something i can't even quite remember but um i mean come on we we know for a fact the yakuza are involved in in japanese horse racing let's be real it's it's i mean it's, it's horse Pachinko, racing, horse <laughs> racing. yeah i mean i can neither confirm nor deny but would not at all be surprised um if someone wants to deep dive in where's um oh gosh i just his name just left me Who's the Tokyo Vice guy? Jake Adelstein. Can we ask him like what's yeah. going on? <laughs> yes. He would know, I feel like. Yeah. He would. So there you go. Picture on screen of Hellshake and his jockey Yano rushing towards the win. If the big screen behind them is any indication, I think they had a pretty fair lead there, too. Yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah, there's a nice, uh, nice gap. Don't know how that ended up, but good for good for Hellshake. Good for that. <laughs> All right. Um, that's about it for the news this week. So those are our two fun stories. Now we're going to get into the sad, weird backstory of Bash the Stampede, <laughs> starting with his perfect... <laughs> Did you know this would be the first picture? Is that why you laughed? Um, our perfect boy's birthday. <laughs> Look at him. Look at Look him. Look at him. I didn't notice the red geraniums are actually in the background. Those get brought up later in the episode as, as why he likes the color red and that red yeah. like the color red and that she grew red geraniums. But I didn't notice at the time that they're actually seen here. So this is a this confirms fashion. Knives are in fact twin twins, not just like clones, but like <laughs> twins. And knives does not need to eat. He's just a. a somber little dude right like not like impervious to a good time but actively fighting against his i mean he's still wearing the hat and when you when you take into account that these boys are they're the size at this point of like what 10 year olds right Uh, yeah i'd put them between like 10 and 12 those are very large birthday hats (laughs) those are very big (laughs) they're in space they have all sorts of access to things we don't have here on earth like giant birthday hats those are some clown-sized birthday hats, I'm telling yeah. you. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. We can't see the tops of them. I wonder, it'd be better if they had little fuzzy balls on the top, yes. too. But, you know, they've got what I assume is carbonated orange soda, some poorly over-oiled french fries. Yeah, um, no, they're looking a little soggy there. Yeah. Um, I don't know, a space brownie? <laughs> that just uh, looks like, like <laughs> co- concentrated food brick. <laughs> Concentrated food brick. Are those um, breakfast sausages over there? Yeah, what is what is this? Little, Ram, little slabs of jerky meat or something? 
know, and yet they they have a perfectly decorated birthday cake. They like, do. They have the what? saddest little sandwich. I don't think it's I a burger. Does it have meat? I don't think it's <laughs> just tomato and cheese. What if they don't eat meat? What if because they're plant people, they don't eat protein? And this is all like vegan or something. But that, I mean, that looks like an egg sandwich over there to the left. This? Yeah. No, I don't no, no, know. To, no. More to the more to the left. The little oh, triangle. like an egg salad sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe eggs are fine. I don't know. I guess this one looks like it's got some salami on it. Oh, uh, maybe it, that's salami. That's still that, that's an insane or, sandwich. Or tomatoes. <laughs> I don't know. That is a sandwich made by someone that has never seen. <laughs> Or heard of a sandwich before, but they yeah. they had to throw something together for these um, these two artificially, well, not artificially grown, but these two plant boys. Yeah, these two plant boys. Everyone in the comments is coming to Rem's defense, saying that uh, ship rations are hard to work with, and Rem did what she could, and looks like a birthday at a hotel breakfast area. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is some continental breakfast like scoops that she just yeah like. yeah. Well, hey, you know, Vash looks, he looks happy about it. Um, but yeah, I like this interaction between Rem and the boys too. Like she's treating them like um, like her own children. And I don't think they say how, there's only one candle on there. They might They're only one, be, No, they, they say it's their first birthday. So they were like, they came to life starting this size there was no infant or are they like i mean we well if um wolfwood you know can go from like 10 to like 28 in the span of a, a few months yeah uh, i wouldn't be you know maybe they popped out as like little babies and then within like a couple of weeks or something they were like walking around all all preteen size yeah they also point out that um it's so cute um they also point out kind of what their what their deal is and that they are plants but they're independents as mm -hmm. opposed to the other types of plants and that means that every like rarely a plant gives birth yes and the plant people we've seen like who vash appears to be able to like soothe psychically and it, you know he can hear them and, and communicate with them um, you know, they looked bigger than the average human, even though they're humanoid. Yes. So I don't know, like they could have just sort of like came out of a spore, giant spore thing and sort of been this size. But well, and it makes you wonder, like, do they do they look human? Do do all independents resemble humans like with like hair and more human you know uh right. like did they reproduce asexually like do they just you know pop one out just kind of because did like a did a human like sneak into one of those tubes and, like, <laughs> no james i, I know don't. i don't like i'm genuinely wondering yeah, why, yeah, why i they're... don't think so i i'm i'm thinking it's a it's a kind of like that situation with that shark that reproduced asexually in an aquarium in like Italy. Oh, okay. you read about that? That's yes, just yes, yes, yes. where they're like, well, I'm supposed to reproduce, you know, but nothing here to do that with. Guess I'll just reproduce asexually all of a sudden by cloning my. Um, pop, pop out a couple of Culkin brothers and. <laughs> 
Macaulay and, uh, um, and Rory. Rory. I was going to say Ronan. Yeah, Rory right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, but that that's still kind of unclear. Uh, what we do get a sense of is that at least what I think is happening is that humanity ha- has been cultivating a sentient plant race and using them to harvest certain things because when we meet Brad, um, I just skip into Brad here. There when we is, meet yeah. Brad uh, after the big crash and, and Vash flees, um, he asks Vash, like, what do you make? You know, and I forget like all the things that he lists off, but it's like. Like all sorts of chemical compounds. Yeah, uh, things like that. Oxygen. I assume power is one of them. Yeah, electricity. Electricity, which is why they're used in the uh, plants around around town. And they seem to be reliant on them for resources at this point. So uh, I forgot where I was going with this. So yeah. um, Vash doesn't make anything. Vash doesn't make anything. And we don't know for a fact that what knives makes or if he makes nothing, you know, um, he, I think he said something. I can't remember. I I, I wish I got a screenshot. It was hard because it was like a long conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think, I know he mentioned that he eats, but I think he, I think he, maybe knives make knives. Maybe that's what he makes. I mean, Um, yeah. Blades or something. I mean, Vash requires, I actually am not clear if Vash actually requires food or if he just eats it because he enjoys it. Because he kind of goes on a hunger strike while they have him in captivity here and he just starts like marking down his time in there like a prison cell because that's essentially what it is. And he's refusing to eat and he doesn't seem to get emaciated in any kind of way. So, um, but Knives then points out at the very beginning of the episode that he doesn't need food. Um, like Vash does. So I'm not sure. Maybe Vash can live on less food than the average human. Um, yeah. I'm not quite sure if he, he requires food. Um, and they haven't they haven't specified where the plants come from, right? Like we don't know if they're aliens or genetic yeah. like experiments or or what, right? I assume they came from space because we do know there used to be a spacefaring age prior to what's going on uh like in the current time that that got brought up um, people in the comments are also mentioning, you know, that mention in episode three about Vash can't access his gateway, which might mean he can actually produce something, but he doesn't know how or is limiting his, his abilities in that way. And the okay. gateway thing sound like I interpret that, that as an alternate dimension, just based on yeah. like sci-fi but, terminology. Yeah. So that's, that's what I thought. So following that line of thought i would think the plants are uh extra dimensional okay um yeah so anyway we still haven't gotten we don't get in this episode and maybe we will in the next one we don't really know why knives decided to blow everything up other than the fact that maybe he's just sociopathic or something but like or that he's like mad about the plants being locked up and used for for power and stuff. Yeah, which, you know, understandable to a degree. Methodology, yeah. maybe not great, but reasoning could make an argument for. Because uh, it does seem like at this point in time, that's been his motivation. Other than torturing Vash for funsies, he's been 
collecting yeah collecting all of the uh all the plants from the humans that are using them as a resource so yeah um people in the chat are saying uh they're not treated like sentient beings yeah they're not treated like sentient beings but i feel like they are i mean obviously vash can communicate with them i'm not sure exactly like i mean they have eyes and a face i don't know why yeah. they would have those things if they didn't have some degree of sentience, right? Like it's not and they like have vitals too, because they mon yeah. they were monitoring, and it seems like the ones that are closer to humanoid may be more powerful because we've seen ones that just look like onions. You know, they don't unless maybe but they're all. What if I they're just that, all curled up and they could open? Oh, I think maybe. that's the implication is that like they're they're all you know they can uh, and I I couldn't quite tell if um I forget her name Luida yeah Luida? I couldn't tell if like she was surprised when the plant opened to see that there was like a humanoid thing when she was like, Oh, it's blooming. Or if that was just like bad. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. Right? Yeah. Cause like, she says, that, yeah, it seems like maybe they hadn't seen that before. And it's possible that. That just looks like a, like a big old person. Yeah. Like maybe they, the opening might be, I don't think it's a reaction to Vash cause he'd been on the ship for a while at this point. Right. So that's probably yeah. not, what it is he was on the ship for several months before. um but yeah i i think it's possible maybe all of them could open and they're just different sizes and have different you know uh abilities as far as their their resources yeah. go but um i wish the original was fresher in my mind i don't remember ever seeing actual aliens like this in the original but i might have just mind i saw some it. people saying that this was a big deviation okay i don't know i've never read the manga or seen the original anime but i've seen people comment that this is like this is a significant departure compared to the more like stylistic or like timeline departures that we've gotten from the previous episodes yeah all i remember from the original i mean the the vash and knives being plant was in the original anime i definitely remember that and you know um knives being behind the the big crash and um you know rem dying in the crash and i i re remember knives having a conversation and this might come up in the next episode because the conversation definitely took place before the crash and it was between knives and vash's kids and it always stuck in my head when i saw it because it, knives starts talking about a spider like there's a spider with a spider web um, in between some leaves or something in like that big open area where we saw them uh, interacting and they have a conversation about um, like the nature of the spider and that it's in the spider's nature to, to kill and, and, you know, just sort of this like dark interpretation is assuming that I haven't made this all up, but that's what I, I recall that. Like that, that classic moment, Darwinism yeah. angle, like we're we're the superior beings, like we're more powerful, yeah. and you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be the 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 fly trapped in the web. We should be the spider, right? Like, yeah, I yeah. I think it was that. it was something of that nature. So, um, I assume that's still somewhat the basis of his actions now with the plants is that we shouldn't be subjugated. We should be ruling, kind of deal. Although, I mean, if even if it was just we need to take all the plants and send them back to where they're supposed to be and free them from the humans and the humans should find a new planet. Um, I, I don't know if I disagree with that, to be honest. I don't, I feel bad for this lady, this plant lady in the, in the pink goo. Yeah. Like, it's not cool. Is there something else she'd rather be doing right now? You know, other know. than 
powering a um spaceships yeah no um oh oh okay so uh theo says i've got it backwards and in the original anime knives calls humans the spider and plants are called the butterfly and to save the butterflies the spider must be killed also a a more reasonable argument and again i mean this is kind of you know I guess not genocidal because they're not killing the plants, but it's enslavement and that's not yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Mr. A says in the manga, Knives says that he uh, calls humans garbage, less than vermin and rotting, wasting meat. It's um, hard to argue with, to be honest. And <laughs> LFR says... Uh, <laughs> you, look, you look at Twitter and it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, LFR says plant freedom is a noble cause. Knives just wants to murder all the humans to do it. Which so harsh harsh but it's maybe harsh. fair i mean we kind of suck as we a did. as a race we were given the opportunity to um we let scott adams publish that shitty dilbert comic for like 50 years oh we gotta talk about dilbert that guy is <laughs> so mm, let's just his career's done so in the is end it though, or is he just gonna like go to truth social yeah what's story? the racist twitter yeah and he's just going to go That's there the and then it's all going to be, they're going to become like freaking chick tracks, but with worse oh art. God. It's going to be Dilbert just ranting racist propaganda and like sexist screeds. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know what, Knives? <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. We had, just, we had a good run, you know? Yeah. Just spare, spare the anime studios, years. spare the cats, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah um so with vash though here he got a little like teen teenaged up but it seems like all they have him do i want to kind of have a better idea of what he's doing is he just like psychically soothing these plants trapped in these industrial vats like, yeah he's like empathizing with them like he can you know he can feel their pain and he can feel their their sickness now i guess to the point we were just discussing it it doesn't seem like they're crying out in pain and suffering usually but i I don't know if that means that that's because they're normally like like comatose or something or Mm -hmm. if if they're if they're actually not actively being harmed during the when the pods are like blue um yeah so yeah i know that like vash has this whole pacifism things uh going but uh i don't know if it's good enough to just like temporarily soothe the plant people inside the vats so they can go back to being power sources and not get mad like i mean maybe that's like maybe it's like a part of his power you know is like some kind of telepathy or some kind of maybe maybe what he makes is like good vibes you know, like, literally, like, like maybe, yeah, maybe he like produces like you know like positive, positive vibes, feel good, yeah. <laughs> the feel good. Yeah. I don't know what you call them, um, and that you know he's like a, like a like a THC you know uh, aerator, but we're like psychically. I'm saying Vash is just like he's just cannabis. He's just yeah. like humanoid cannabis. Yeah, Hash I mean, why not? Stampede. I'm retitling this episode "Hash the Stampede," and I gotta get oh, a new can, can uh, thumbnail screenshot. 
Would that get us in trouble? Okay. No. And then I'm going to get a new thumbnail screenshot and we're going to put gold chains and like the bling, the bling Z stuff from that. Yeah. Give them bloodshot eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so that's most of what happens there. I, like I said, I, I assume that we're going to get uh, more context in the next episode. This definitely felt like a two-parter. So. Were you also... I got, So there's one part of the episode that really confused me. Yeah. Um, not because I didn't understand what was happening, but I didn't really understand how we got there. Okay. And that's... So uh, what's his name? Not Brandon. That's Gungrave. Uh, Brad. <laughs> Brad. Yeah. Uh, when Brad... Um, unlocks the black box after like five years of tinkering with it and learns that um, Vash either wittingly or unwittingly helped Knives um, murder everyone Mm -hmm. um, and and kind of says some mean things and makes Vash run away with his shiny new coat and all that. Yeah. Um, There's uh, so it it cuts to him like he's he's out with his ostrich and he's like running away. Chocobo. Yeah, he's Chocobo. Um, (laughs) And Luita like goes after him and there's just sort of like a there's a cut where like he's just sort of looking out at the desert and then all of a sudden without yeah. any transition yeah. he wakes up in bed and his arm is glass or whatever it is and right. he's like oh i'm back home like did they save me and i i understand that like obviously there's like been a big time skip and um i'm pretty sure everyone from ship 3 is horribly dead by mm-hmm. knives but i i wasn't entirely like it felt like a scene was missing like i felt like there should have been a scene where like Vash got like attacked by a sandworm or something. I think I see where you got mixed up. So that scene was weird because it was a flash forward within the flashback that is not a full flash forward to the current time. So what happened is, is Vash leaves, right? And he leaves his coat behind and he goes off into the desert and what he, and then they do a flash forward. Oh, that's modern Vash. That's no, like... not quite. But he, there's a flash forward, and he's like, "Oh, they must have saved me, and now I have this new arm." And then they flash, but that flash forward is not to current time; it's like some in between. And then it flashes back again to when he was back in the desert, and he comes upon um, knives in them. So what happened is that he returned to the wreckage. It's not ship three; it's the wreckage from you know the ship he was on with Rem. He goes there when he runs away, and he sees knives in them. And that's the end of the episode. But that part in between is going to come after that. So there's going to be something with knives in them. Vash is going to get knocked out or, you know, he's going to lose his arm or something. And then he's going to wake up back in ship three, um, presumably with them having replaced his, like done surgery to replace his arm. It was weirdly placed. It threw me off a lot. Chad's saying that it is modern Vash. That that's like a cut back to just after the Wolfwood. Is it? Plant, which also doesn't make sense. The framing me. made it seem like the arm was new. That's what I thought. Or, I or, thought it was or, right after he got or the Or he arm. like looked at it and like realized, oh no, because now that I think about it, he's like looking at it and his face falls. And so maybe it's him oh. going, oh no, my arm. But how the hell did, like what, how the hell did he get there? The last okay. we saw of him, he was just like, but when you, okay, P- yeah, people are saying that is a weird flash forward um, to after the Wolfwood fight. Um, but where he wakes up at looks a lot like Ship Three, right? Yeah, and he goes into the okay. same bridge with all the things. I okay, it was very strange. Yeah, it is very strange. 
there was no reason at the end of last episode for us to think that it's not like it he got like knocked he out his... at the end of the last hmm. yeah they said it's post fainting he has his black turtleneck his arms damaged from the rail gun why did they flash that there and then flash back again to him going inside the wreckage and seeing knives for the first time. Because I thought that, because the, the my reading up until just now was that that was the first time he'd seen knives since the crash. Like that was yes. a big yeah. reunion. But yeah. I, yeah. So this is just the reunion after he'd murdered everyone at, um, was it June, May, whatever the, the little town was. Um, so then when he wakes up, that's during the whole, like, they just stopped the ship from wrecking into the orphanage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And now I'm, like, wanting to go back and look at screenshots from episode seven. Where did Vash end up during that? Was Nowhere. he thrown off the ship? No, the episode ended with him calming down the plant. And then the very last shot was Meryl going, oh, my God, he's a plant. And that's it. Okay. Like right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's communicating with the plant, and he had that big moment and that in front of all of them. And okay, yeah, we've also got AJ here, who uh, from the Cartoon Cipher, he reviews this series for us, and he says, "I think the implication is that he's remembering all of this in Ship Three. We have no uh, no idea why he's there, based on last week, though. So yeah, that's just. Oh, um, was there was there like a sound, like a thud sound when it cut to black? I guess so, because uh, Trelanus yeah. is saying uh, his body hit the floor, so it's presumed that he passed out. Oh, um, not so. clear. That was not yeah. Clear. So yeah. So I guess we're we're just not supposed to know. I interpreted the timeline of that completely wrong. I you too. Yeah. So <laughs> too. thank thank you, chat. Yeah. I will go into the next episode having a better idea of what happened. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. So buddy daddies this week was not as cute as usual because now this episode didn't make me cry like last week it made me cry so <laughs> James, why did it make you cry um i want to say it was i got a screenshot of it of the moment that made me cry okay um i can't remember exactly where it was but it was, it was somewhere was it um, was it, it where it was near, he said near the, end. near the end was it where he said he also has something he wants to protect no, I saw that coming. Um, okay, yeah. I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm sure it, it, it did make me cry because I thought to mm -hmm. myself, good Lord, how the hell is this show making me cry every week? What are you doing to me, buddy daddies? Yeah. Mary was a cutie pie, though. She was Ma Mary was a cutie. Yep. Um, this is a Ray episode. And it's all about Ray gets called home. Which in this case, home is the headquarters for the assassin, assassin, assassin organization that they work with, work for. Um, his dad is the boss. He's the evident heir, but um, he, you know, has been miserable his entire life until he found happiness with Kazuki. But now he's got to go back and confront his dad. Is this just a picture you picked of Mary because she's? making cool hand gestures well, i i i i i i try to pull double duty right i try to find screenshots that'll be good for the socials and okay. screenshots that would be useful for the recap and so <laughs> there are several shots in here that are just sexy shots of ray uh -huh. and there are several shots that are just adorable shots of miri here's one um, that we can only tweet on the 10th of august yeah <laughs> but you know for our for our birthday things so we yes got so yeah yeah 
So yeah, if I didn't make it evident, whenever Ray is in his murder suit, that means he's extra hot because he's got his hair pulled back. Um, I didn't. Yeah, he does clean up nice. Um, I enjoyed the conversation Miri had with Kazuki about Ray's dad in grandpa terms. Ray Papa no Papa. (laughs) Yeah, Ray Papa no Papa. Yeah. And also that... that, um, (laughs) Their teacher isn't good at at singing, I guess. She isn't good at singing or music. Like, she's been kind of the perfect daycare lady this entire time, and now we know that whenever it's sing-along time, it terrifies all the children. But um, Ray's dad is, is... He's horrible. Yep. And obviously patriarchal son of a bitch is what i called him in my review um because that's, that's all he cares about is lineage and continuing the bloodline. On tra- the bloodline and tradition and he doesn't allow his own son to call him dad he has to call him boss which is gross um just you know having making Ray sad yeah making race sad now we know why he's a little sad gamer boys dad never hugged him we have no I'd be a I- sad I gamer boy if i was him yeah, I would too. You know, he's better adjusted than I would expect most people in his situation. Um, we don't know anything about his mom, to my knowledge. Um, here's the here's Ray's Kaiji era from yeah. when he's yeah. just like emaciated and does not <laughs> shave and is probably drinking soda out of a out of a glass with a sippy straw and. So, uh, in, in the chat, LFR says that the gay subtext is strong today. And oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Kazuki oh, yeah. is the ideal wife. <laughs> he's he's truly the best wife he in, is. This, in this anime. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He's perfect, perfect house husband. He's doing arts and crafts with Miri so that they can decorate the condo for Ray's birthday. He's not even aware that it's his birthday. They also have a giant party hat. That's... Okay, but she's four, so that hat <laughs> should be big on her. It does have, and it has the little, tiny little poof on top, like I, like yeah, like I asked. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Amiri has, still has really good faces. Yes. Um, but anyway, yeah, they they want Ray to to abandon his his family and take up assassinating full time, and they're going to test him specifically by having him murder a former teacher who's betrayed the company by i don't know getting a girlfriend yeah leaving i mean leaving. i think it's exactly what q said is yeah that if you if you try to live a normal life and leave the biz uh you'll just get horribly murdered so don't do that yeah but this guy comes back this this dude whose name i still don't know i just call him anti i had to look it up and i think it's ro um okay ro ogino i think is his last name he um is terrifying but not yeah, just in how like blatantly psychopathic he is. So you can tell like he cares about uh, no one. Don't worry. I didn't get a screenshot of the, the murdered corpse of this poor woman. Yeah. Um, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he goes over that whole thing with Ray. Like, like that's normal car conversation. Like, Hey, so you're the heir to the murder company. Just wanted to let you know that I totally like axed this guy's girlfriend. And then yeah. I wrote down her last words because it gets me off in my tiny little murder journal. And hey, yeah. when you go kill this guy, can you make sure to tell me the last thing he says? Because I'd like to also write that down right next to her in my creepy little murder journal. And it's just like, I mean, 
I guess if you go into assassinating as a business, like there's only so many personality types to be suited for that. I honestly was thinking that if there's anything about this show that suspends disbelief, mm -hmm. it's that Kazuki is like a generally well-adjusted and decent person for yeah. someone that, that murders people for a living. Yeah. Um, like he doesn't really seem to have any hangups about that part of the job. Ray seems more broken up about the killing than Kazuki does. Yeah. Um, this guy, this, I, I know I joke about Anton Chigurh, but this guy, this whole scene gave me like huge Coen brothers vibes, just like yeah. casual, like, Oh yeah. You know, um, I collect last words. So, you know, when you kill this guy, just make sure to write him down for me. Okay. It's like this. <laughs> I'm also kind of want to go back and watch this episode to see if we ever see this guy blink. Cause he has like this look on his face all the time of just like intense staring. Mm. And I keep expecting him to blink like a lizard would or like, it's like sideways. Or like or one something. at a time. Yeah, yeah, something weird like that. Uh, about Kazuki being well adjusted, I think, did we see him? Have we seen him shoot anyone? Because I've started to wonder if he's more like the uh, infiltration and setup guy, and then he does that for Ray, and then Ray's the trigger puller. You know, that's a good. I, I, you know, I, for some reason, I thought I remembered him taking shots in that first episode. When he was the, dressed as Santa. But now you mention it. I don't actually know. I mean, he, he shot at the dude that he unsuccessfully shot at the guy that blow, blew up his wife. His wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that I think he, he fired a gun in that scene too. Yeah. Um, yeah. LFR yeah, says he tried during that flashback where Yuzu died. So maybe the only time he was pulling the trigger, it wasn't successful. Um this is just yeah. Miri being uh, much older than her age. Men are such a mystery. <laughs> but yeah, so it ends up coming down to a... that she lives with, it's true. Yeah, fair, yeah. Uh, and then it comes down to Ray getting into a knife fight on a roof. And, uh, you know, he's able to pull ahead a of it. A knife and a karambit. This, guy, this guy's not messing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a weird, like, curvy, like, short blade, right? Is that what that's called? A karambit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, from, um, uh, oh, I just forgot the name of the martial art, but, um, like, in, in the raid, right? Um, okay. Uh, that's the kind of knives that they use all the time. They're, like, they're, they're supposed to mimic, like, tiger claw. Oh, okay. So, or, or a dinosaur. They look painful. Like, into raptors, very right? Painful. Yeah. Um, like uh you know what uh uh freaking uh neil from uh jurassic park that would be his yeah be his weapon of choice sam neil he was in a fighting game right yeah um i was also well yeah. he'd only use it against annoying children <laughs> people who, who call raptors turkeys yeah when it comes to yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> this final fight too uh ray doesn't technically kill him i mean he kind of Kind of does, but he 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 falls, and of course our Ogino doesn't get the it's satisfaction. Disney death. He gets the Disney villain death. Yeah, he gets the Disney villain death. The um, Gaston and Scar and stuff. Yeah, um, but we're almost to the end here, James. What part made you cry? It was this. It was this exact line. It was the birthday, and and the, she wanted to make you happy, and then Ray smiles. Ah, oh. she's she drunkenly. She's drunk. She does the drunk toddler thing. Yeah, yeah, because then we so get that sleepy. little smile. Yeah, because he forgot his own birthday, but they didn't. 
Now, is this the first time we've seen him smile in the show? I didn't think so, but... I don't think so, because I think he... I'd have to go back and check, but I wouldn't be surprised if he smiled when he found his Morio Kart mascots yes. at that cheap store and got to buy them. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, the episode closes and... It's pretty much set up the fact that Ray's dad has put a hit on Kazuki and Miri because he wants to free his son up from his emotional attachments. So, so now Papa Kaz, uh, uh, Papa Reno Papa has to die. <laughs> they're going to have to. They're going to have to shut down the whole thing. I know that they've been setting this up like it's going to be a face-off with Ogino, um, employed by. Uh, Ray's dad to kill Kazuki and Miri. Do you think Kazuki and Miri will get kidnapped or just Miri and they'll both have to save her? Which one? Uh, probably the latter. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the, like the, the season finale is going to be, it's going to take a sharp right turn into like dramatic, you know, action heavy. And it's going to be like a John Wick style, like kill every hitman um, yeah. scenario. Although yeah. I'm just, I'm still, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think. I'm just, I know that realistically, uh, Miri needs to get out of that apartment and into the arms of someone that does not murder for a living. I know yeah. that. I recognize yeah. that yeah. on an intellectual level. Uh, on an emotional, on a truer level, uh, if if she ever leaves her two dads at all, I yeah. will I will revolt and I will declare this uh, zero out of ten uh, ML score. So I just want them to know that. You're gonna review I, bomb yeah. it on, on M yeah, on Mal oh, yeah. if, uh, if she leaves her, her two days. I'll, I'll straight up I will make a video essay and I will I will spend four and a half hours detailing the problematic uh neoliberal um anti progressive uh uh, what's it? Um, but also another somehow, buzzword. Also somehow SJW, um, <laughs> NFT shilling, Elon Musk standing. James, how? <laughs> I don't even know. But whatever, whatever I need to do. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah. prepared to do it. I will to get be all the, the views. Ray. Yeah, I'll be the Ray to this show's random uh, target of assassination. I mean, it's uh, possible they could get like a heads up about this hit and they they have at least maybe temporarily Mary's mom comes back from the picture to safeguard her while they take out the organization or something and then you know Q's gonna tell him he's yeah he's gonna tell him right yeah 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 he's a good guy yeah. despite you know his job yeah Man, because I, I feel like part of me is like, oh, Miri will get kidnapped and then Kazuki and then we'll have to save her. But the other part of me is like, Ogino would just kill her. He wouldn't hold her hostage because that's what he did with the other guy's wife, right? Like um, the the yeah. former teacher thought he was doing some kind of trade-off to get his his wife or, or girlfriend or whatever back. And then as soon as Ray shows up, he's like, oh, you guys have already killed her. Yeah. So I don't know that if Miri was captured by Ogino, that he would actually hold her hostage. So well, part of me wonders if they'll avoid that. Maybe Ogino wouldn't kill Miri because she wouldn't have any, like she's too young to have like any interesting last words, you know, like <laughs> she doesn't understand mortality enough to like 
to to satisfy his need to like capture the the dying essence of someone. And so yeah. maybe he maybe he wouldn't like want to kill her because he wouldn't get anything out of it. I that's hope. possible. That's that's also possible. I mean, they've already encountered once, and it was the creepiest thing because he like picked <laughs> her up like a cat, right? Yeah, and then set her back down, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I ran into you," and that was it. I was like, "Oh God, he's gonna eat her or something." Like his mouth is just gonna unhinge from his jaw, like some he's sort secretly of... gluttony from Full Metal Alchemist, <laughs> some sort of terrifying snake man, and he's just gonna oh. swallow her whole and then writhe away. They should let me write anime. Quanti Five um, says that her last words would be like, "I need to pee." <laughs> Yeah, it would be something like, like oh, we can't have it be that. Like, we need to. Maybe it'll be like a full scale. Everyone will get in on it. Uh, that that little boy she made friends with will will run like counter interference, and Anna will show up and play really. She'll show up with like a block. No, she just have a gun. She'll be like, no, I'm gonna kill this. I'm gonna kill these guys too. It's one of my students. Like, come on. I was gonna <laughs> say she like does uh, plays really bad loud music as sort of a. Uh, psychological warfare tactic but she brings up the glock and spiel she's like i'm the glock and spiel <laughs> the glock in spiel yeah. Uh? yeah yeah jackie you're missing out you're missing out this also probably would be the perfect place for a gun grave reference you could have told us what brandon Gungrave would have done in this. or there's like a gun grave villain named like samus glock and spiel <laughs> that actually like... sounds more like trigun what was the villain that we talked about that. Oh, the jazz one. What's his name? I forgot. Horn freak. <laughs> Horn freak. That's never not good. Um, yeah, I feel like speaking back on on Trigun a little bit. Are we still thinking this is going to be a single season? Because At I have point, not I seen Mid Valley the Horn Freak yet, and I'm kind of really upset about that. It is a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, this could be one of those instances where like. In like the last two episodes, they just start tossing, uh, what are they called? The gung-ho guns? They just start tossing yeah. gung-ho guns left and right. And Vash yeah. has to reluctantly uh, murder them or whatever he does. We also haven't, I mean, I feel like they introduced Legato pretty strong with his psycho-psychic abilities. And I don't know that that's fully lived up to its potential yet either. Like, Oh no, there's definitely, I feel like... I am starting at the pace it's been going. I I do kind of feel like they're shooting for a, just one core, mm-hmm. but I I feel like the last couple episodes, based off of the little like bursts of action we've got, where you can tell they're kind of flexing their muscles and they're trying out new techniques. I feel like we're in for like maybe thirty straight minutes of just nonstop, yeah, uh, gung ho action. I hope so. Yeah. I just, uh, there were so many interesting characters in the original that we haven't gotten, like, to really see. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll leave it open for a season two. Yeah. They try to do like that. Oh, if, you know, if this is our only season, then it'll get like a a decent enough ending. And then. If they do go, if they do go for a season two, I would expect it to be quite a ways out still because they are working on the final season of Beastars too. And that's going to be that... double length to my knowledge. That's yeah. going to be yeah, 24. So I, wouldn't, I, think. I wouldn't expect I mean I guess I don't know how many people 
orange employees, but I, I wouldn't expect it to happen until um, after that. They could be working on it, but I wouldn't expect it to premiere until after the last uh, season of Beastars. No, they're not um, Mappa. They can't just they can't just pop out eight shows a season. <laughs> right. Uh Mr. A says youth minister Legato needs to get in a fight with some people soon. Yeah. He needs to just start throwing people through the air and like mentally like crushing them like trash paper to throw in the bin and all kinds of wild stuff. I'd like to see that. Meanwhile, Wolf um, is over here like, no, he doesn't need to though. Like he could not do that. I'd be fine. I'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um Reminder, did uh, Wolfwood's friend slash little brother character, was he dead by the end of? No. no. Legato, they, they went back for his body and he was like, oh, right. he'll still be useful. So maybe okay. he's dead and they'll just like turn him into a hideous puppet corpse thing. I don't know. But... There's so many possibilities. Yeah. He'll be around. Uh, yeah. All right. I think that about does it for this week. Um, thanks for going down memory lane about Milo and Otis with me. <laughs> and, you know, we uh, checked in on Buddy Daddies and Trigun. And we're going to be closing out the season here pretty soon already. Spring looks insane. James, Yay. have you looked at the spring season at all? No, I try to, uh, I try to, um, to pretend that the next season of anime isn't going to happen for as long as possible. Not because I don't love anime, but because, you know. Yeah. The, it can be a, a lot to dig into, but honestly, I never thought I'd say this. Um, after this season, which has felt kind of quiet and not super exciting, yeah, um, I I I wouldn't mind, you know, a, a little bit of overflow. Yeah, um, uh, Hell's to... Paradise is going to premiere yeah. in April. That's going to look yeah. good. Ancient Mag Magus Bride season two is premiering in April, up. which I'm super. Uh, stoked about that there's actually a lot of um rom-coms that look halfway decent too like skip to my loafer and or maybe it's just skip and loafer skip to my loafer would be cuter though so they should use that title um that one uh the one about i don't want to call him the school shooter that's not nice the, the, the super... through my heart yeah that's is that next season mm -hmm. yeah okay. Okay. yeah yeah um yeah there's a lot of good stuff lined up for next season and of course we'll we should probably talk about uh, Attack on Titan, the final season, part three, part one, part one, uh, yeah, we next should. week because that's premiering on the third of March. So oh, that's, that's coming right up. Yeah. How? How is it already March? I don't know. Okay. Do your okay. worst anime. Don't do your worst. Yeah. Don't. Do oh, Marshall's next season too. So that's you know the one about the buff guy going to Hogwarts. Yeah. Yeah, that looks cute. It has to be better than real Hogwarts at this point. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you again at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Has it always been 9 p.m. Eastern? Yeah. Or is Why it does that sound weird? Like later than what I, I don't know. Anyway, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Uh, we'll be back. And thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye-bye.